Thank you so much for joining us for the second session of our summer series. If you're wondering what a summer series is, well, each summer at Regency, we invite eight speakers from around our area to come present to us a message from God's Word. Well, since we're not yet meeting on Wednesday nights at our church building, we decided to have our summer series online. And so you're going to hear from another speaker from around our area. The speaker for today is one of my close personal friends, Seth Medeiros. Seth is the spiritual formations minister for the Gateway Church of Christ in Pensacola, Florida. He and his wife, Jessica, have three children. Uh, Seth spent many years in youth ministry before moving into this spiritual formations role. He was also a juvenile probation officer as well as a private investigator. He's a graduate from Faulkner University in Montgomery with a degree in criminal justice. One of the things that I love about Seth is that he has a heart for the Lord. He has a heart for authenticity. He loves to read. And one of the things that Seth and I enjoy doing is sharing with each other books that we've read. Now, Seth reads way more than I do, if I'm being honest with you, but he challenges me to read more, and it's one of the reasons why I love him. Seth is an avid Star Wars fan. His Star Wars t-shirt collection would probably blow your mind, but uh, I, love, I love this guy, and uh, he challenges me so much. He has helped shape my spiritual life in ways that he probably doesn't even realize. So I'm excited for you to hear from Seth today. He's got a great message for us, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. But before you hear from Seth, I want to pray for us, and then we'll turn it over to him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this time that we can gather together, even virtually, so that we can have our spiritual life encouraged, that we can walk closer with you today. Father, I pray for my brother Seth as he presents to us a message from your word. I pray that you'll use his words to shape our life and to shape our hearts. Father, speak through him. Use him as your instrument. And Father, may your word come into our life and come into our heart. And Father, may it change us from the inside out. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the peace and the security that we find within you. And Father, today, work within us in this time. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, Regency. My name is Seth Medeiros. I'm the Spiritual Formations Minister at the Gateway Church of Christ over in Pensacola. Uh, man, it is great to be with you guys in, in this context. I wish that I was there in person. Uh, hopefully in the near future, I'm going to be able to go over there and spend some time uh, with y'all. I was supposed to film this in your studio, which I've seen uh, the guys in, and it looks really, really great. Uh, I wasn't able to get over there. But most churches over the last two months have learned how to film themselves and set up their own studios. So it actually works out that we're able to, to still get this to you. Uh, I've, over the last couple years, developed quite a friendship with Eric. Uh, he and I have very similar stories. I, am, I used to be the youth minister here at Gateway, and then I moved into this role. And, of course, he's a former youth minister. And we do a lot of the same things. I'm over adult education. I'm over our life groups. I'm over uh, equipping and empowering our people and, and walking with them through discipleship. Uh, with with families, uh, uh, people of all ages, I just kind of am all over the place, and and I know Eric is doing a lot of the same work, and he gets a lot of random text messages from me, a lot of random questions about what he's doing about this and how he's doing this, and uh, and, and I love his spirit, I love his heart for ministry, and 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 I really have enjoyed that that friendship, um, which is another reason that I hope that I get to to come over and and spend some time with you guys. This teaching has been a challenge for me. Over the last couple months, I, I, I'm, I consider myself a relational teacher. I, I like seeing people's 
faces when I'm talking, um, uh, as they respond to what I'm saying, whether they're uh, agreeing or disagreeing, which actually happens so much over here. Uh, but that's okay because what we have is we're able to talk to each other afterwards. We're able to follow up. We're able to uh, grow deeper in our relationships as we grow to know Jesus more and more. So, so this dynamic has been it has been a little challenging, but but I'm excited that I get to talk with you uh, a little bit tonight. When Eric gave us uh, the topic talking about the vision of the church going forward. Of course, that was delivered before this pandemic hit and everything kind of got shaken up a little bit. Uh, But for us, I was very excited about it. And the reason that I was excited is uh, we were going through a major transition as a church and we had been talking about this very thing. Baptist Hospital offered to buy our building, which was already in a pretty bad shape because they were getting ready to build this large hospital. We accepted that offer. Uh, I'm actually standing in the office building that we bought that's going to turn into our children's wing, and then we're building a new portion of a building. We broke ground on that just a couple of weeks ago, and they are over there working on that, uh, and we're hoping to be in our new building soon. Now, What we did and what we're doing in the meantime is we were meeting at a high school here in Pensacola. Now, that's quite a shift. That's quite a change if you think about that. That's quite a, uh, that's when you've been walking into the same building for 20 plus years experiencing church, there's going to be some emotion there in a lot of ways. So we started a series called Church in Transition and it spanned several months and we poured from all sorts of different resources, basically asking the question, what is the vision of the church going forward? And this church in transition discussion, uh, we combined all of our Bible classes and the senior minister, Jeremy Kuhn, worked on it. We had our, all of our elders were involved with it. A lot of our teachers were involved with it. Uh, and it was able to prepare our minds for thinking that church isn't just about this building. When we say the vision of the church, we are not limiting that to what happens on a Sunday morning. We are not limiting the vision of the church to new events or new programs or new ministries. We are not limiting ourselves in thinking what can we do as a body of Christ. Uh, And so when the pandemic hit, we were already kind of in this healthy place where we were able to go online And we didn't necessarily have to reset a lot of our conversation about what the church is. In fact, in this moment, we were actually kind of continued to be forced to live as members of the church away from our original context of meeting on Sunday morning. But that's kind of what I think uh, the, the direction of the vision of the church should be. And here's what I mean. When we say that, what's the vision of the church? Sometimes we think, what are the plans of the church? And we think, okay, what does this mean for our Sunday morning? And what does this mean for our Bible classes? And what does this mean for our events? And what does this mean for our programs and our various ministries that we have? And so we kind of reduce the word vision of the church to what are our practices going to be as a church going forward? So is that the vision of the church? And I say yes and no. You know, in order for us to equip and empower, we do need programs and we do need events. And we and our time of Sunday morning is absolutely essential. It's that time of encouragement and worship and praise and, uh, and a time to gather together. Uh, but, but it's also, I also say no, because as the body of Christ, we are meant to enter into the world and to reflect what we learn and how we grow during these events. 
So if the totality of your faith, if the, the, if the totality of your Christian walk is attending a building for an hour and a half and then maybe going to some of the events during the year, I would say that your vision is a little too limited. And this is the challenge that we were given our people is, is we need to expand what the church is called to be. Our theme verse was Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. This is one of those verses that just grabs hold of you. You actually probably need to read it a couple of times, but it is huge. It blows the idea of a myopic vision completely out of the water. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. His intent, his being God, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to sit with that verse for a second. We have been given a vision as the church, and that is to reveal the manifold wisdom of God to all powers and authorities throughout heaven and on earth to a world that needs to see that. Because of Jesus Christ, this is made possible. Because of Jesus Christ, we are no longer separated from God. We are no longer defined by our sin. So when we enter into the waters of baptism, we have died to what separates us. We have died to the curse. We have died to futility. We have died to death, really. And then we are resurrected anew. We are a new creation. We are now the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And that purpose, that affirmation does not mean that what we do now is make sure that we're walking into a church on a Sunday morning. Now, that's definitely part of it, but that's not all of it. And so the vision of the church can be no less than revealing the manifold wisdom of God to the entire world. And so right off the bat, we have to see how big is what we are doing as the church. Now, a lot of what I want to share, because again, this church in transition was it was over three months of, of, of high, intense curriculum that I'm like, man, I want to squeeze all of this into 20 minutes. Of course, that's not going to work. And so I've taken just a couple of points. Now, even those two kind of major areas were still their own classes, but I'm going to try to condense them as best that I can to share some of the things that we are thinking and praying about here at Gateway, when we talk about the vision of the church, a lot of my resources uh, for this particular session came from uh, Francis Chan's Letters to the Church, uh, uh, an amazing book that just cuts right to the heart of it, and then some of the work done by the ministers at the College Hills Church of Christ in Lebanon, Tennessee. They've, they've put together a, a really fantastic packet for their new members that talks a lot about um, what we have, have asked our people here to take a look at. So one of the things that we wanted to say before we even jumped into, okay, the vision of the church and this breaking down is first and foremost, we cannot rush past the sacred. We cannot rush past the sacred. We cannot rush past our time of worship, right? So when we start thinking about our worship, do we have a holy expectancy to what is happening when we do gather? And so again, you might say, well, you were just talking about how we gather can't be the end all. That's right, it can't, but it is the beginning. It's this beautiful place where we go and we reaffirm our allegiance to the kingdom of God. We reaffirm our identity to Jesus Christ so we can go and reveal that wisdom. But oftentimes, our worship is centered around what we desire to happen. 
Sometimes we can walk into a Sunday morning and we already know if we're going to experience the presence of God simply by seeing what songs we're going to sing because they're songs that we like or songs that we know. Sometimes we walk into Sunday morning and we see that this person is going to be doing this aspect of the worship and we know we're not going to connect with God because we don't really care for some of the things that person says. Sometimes we choose to not attend Bible classes because we know that the topic might challenge us or push us in a direction that we don't want to go in. And so a lot of times our gathering but takes this, this form of a preferential necessity and we miss the sacredness of what it is. We miss the beauty of what it is when we come together. We miss the sacred, sacred mystery that somehow God said when we gather, when we come together as a body of Christ, I am present with you and this matters. This is going to change things. This is going to purpose things. That's the beauty of the Hebrews 10 verse. It's not uh, verse... Um, um, yeah, I know that you guys can check it for me. I want to see it here. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, right. Uh, the beauty of that is not you have to go to church because attendance is what gets you into heaven. The beauty of that is, no, we're not going to forsake this beautiful moment of encouragement and gathering and purposing and worship because we need that. It sustains us. It fulfills us. It purposes us. It affirms us. Don't rush past the sacred. And so the vision of your church has to start with this immense beauty of what's happening when you gather together, the mystery of it. I think of Isaiah chapter 6 when, when Isaiah enters into the throne room of God and what is happening, it, there's, there's thundering and, and smoke and, and the walls are shaking because you have these two huge sets of terrifying angels, not the cute little baby angels that we paint, but these seraphim are proclaiming with voices like thunder, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And then they're doing a call and response and everything is so overwhelming and so pure that the very first thing that Isaiah can do is fall on his knees and say, woe is me. I don't even deserve to be here. And then, of course, the beauty of that is he's then approached and he's cleansed of his sins. And so he can be there. And God says, who amongst you is going to go out? And that's when Isaiah says, here I am, I'll go. But think about that. What if Isaiah would have walked into that Sunday, that, 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 that worship setting and been like, I don't like these columns. I don't like the volume. This is a little too loud for me. I don't like this song. No. When we enter into the presence of God, when we enter into the presence of our time of worship, we can't rush past the sacred to make sure that we are feeling comfortable. No, sometimes it might be the matter of just emptying ourselves completely and recognizing that we actually don't even deserve to be in our time of worship. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, because that has been, been, been poured out over us, we get to be there and we get to experience this and then we get to be called and affirmed. And when we start thinking about our, our gathering, we think of it as, as part of this, this eternal plan. We think of it as part of, of a, a small piece of heaven. And what I mean by that is Revelation 5, when we are back in uh, that the throne room, there's this great moment in verse 8 where the prayers of the people are turned into incense in heaven. There's a beauty there. There's a beautiful mystery to where our prayers, when we're gathered together, are actually impacting what is happening in heaven. We're a small piece of the temple, the presence of God. And what I mean by that is, is in the Old Testament, you had your temple, the tabernacle, and all these places where God's presence, uh, were all of this place where God's presence resided. But then 
when we get into the New Testament, when you look at verses like Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 22, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, 1 Peter 2 and 5, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather together, we join together to form this place where God touches earth. And we don't need to, to solve this mystery. We don't need to, 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 to try to figure it out. Sometimes we just need to be in awe of it and understand that we are purposed by the eternal God who was and is and is to come. And so when I say the vision of the church, a lot of times we think again about this one moment. So if that's the moment you're thinking of, I want you to just be absolutely blown away by it. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and read about how we're coming together to spend all of this time with the saints. Sometimes we treat church as optional, an outdated way to connect to God. Sometimes our church is our idol in the way that we view it. Sometimes we force ourselves to go and be a part of it because we feel that's what God wants is us to walk in the door. And so I would say this to you now, when it comes to the vision of the church, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, for God and his manifold wisdom chose the church, okay, chose the church, his intent was through the church to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. When you gather together, just don't lose sight of that sacredness, don't rush past it, be overwhelmed by it for a moment. Be like Isaiah in the throne room. Be like John in the throne room in Revelation 4 and 5. Think hard about how you, because of Jesus, get to partake in this beautiful moment. And then you're launched out. And so I want to move just very, very, very quickly, very quickly through some of the things that we have asked of our members, what we would call the vision of the church. Right off the bat, we realize the holiness of the whole thing, the sacredness of the whole thing, the fact that we are purposed by Jesus and it's because of Jesus and his grace we get to do this. And so number one, we ask our membership to follow Jesus faithfully. And so when we have come out of those waters and we are now uh, living this life and, and, and Christ has defeated darkness and futility, when we choose to follow Jesus, we are choosing to act like Jesus. We are daily transformed into his image, right? Sin separates us from God. Sin declares that its way of life is better than God's way of life. So when we follow Jesus faithfully, our public and private lives honor him in all that we do. We are open and we are honest and we are vulnerable and we are willing to be admonished and corrected with love so we can grow in spiritual maturity. In Colossians and in First in Second Peter, it is said that we the prayer is that we grow to know God and to grow in the knowledge of Jesus more and more. Are you pursuing Jesus faithfully? Or is the totality of your faith what your preacher tells you? Is the totality of your faith just that one little moment in the day and nothing else about your life is transformed? The vision of the church is that we all become like Jesus. Number two, we ask our members to participate in worship service. Notice that this says participate, not just attend, because worship changes us. Worship informs us. It guides us and it directs us. Worship repurposes us and it refocuses us. It helps us grow in spiritual maturity and it helps us to connect with God and our brothers and sisters. And I talked about Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25. This is not about a legalism. This is about a beautiful choice. 
It's about being involved in something bigger than ourselves. We don't rush past the sacred. We understand the beauty of what this gathering is, and so we ask our members to participate in worship service. We ask our members to join a group. Now, this can be small group, discipleship, mentoring. We have specific things, uh, specific groups. This is joining in ministries that are age-based, like being involved in our children's ministry and our youth ministry uh, and, and all of these things. We want people to be involved in Bible classes. We ask all of our members to find that area where they can grow to know Jesus more and to insert themselves and to be a part of that. And one of the things we do is, is if you can look over the, 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 the wide variety of the things that we offer and you don't see something that might fit a giftedness that you believe that God has given you, then that's where my role comes in. And I invite everyone in our church to come to me and to share their dreams and to share their visions and to share their giftedness. And then what we do is we find ways to make that work. Because at our church, it's not about this funnel where you might have all this giftedness, but it has to work in a certain way. <clears throat> we want people to, to lean into the giftedness that God has given them. We want people to lean into their strengths and into their passion. We want people to ask the question, what breaks our heart and what can we do in the name of Jesus? And how can we as teachers, as ministers, equip and empower our people to enter into this vision of the church? We ask our people to serve others in ministry. Now, we do this in various ways. We have some of our own service ministries that we, of course, invite people to be a part of uh, along those things. But one of the areas that we want to make sure is we don't want to pressure or force people, but we also want service to happen in their daily lives. That's really come forth during this pandemic. For two months now, we've not been meeting and gathering and having our regular announcements. And yet, so many of our shut-ins are still getting food and, and being brought communion. And so many of our young people are engaging and helping in yard work. And so many people are calling each other. We, we, we have stories of several members getting on the phone with each other from their house during communion and taking communion all together. People are being checked up on daily. People are being called daily. If there's one thing that this pandemic has has done that we can point out, which there's more than one thing, but this is definitely, is, is it has opened up the floodgates of love for our members and service for one another. And that is an expectation that we put on our members. We want them to be devoted to the body of Christ. We want them to be devoted to that. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. The people devoted themselves to the teaching and to the praying and to the breaking of bread. We ask that of our members as part of this vision of the church. We ask all of our members to reach out to a friend or a neighbor or into the community and passionate outreach or what we have called evangelism, sharing who we are. In John chapter 13, 35, we get the very succinct but beautiful, potent words of Jesus where he says, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And that's what we ask our people to do. And so, yes, that involves them getting involved in various ministries. But this also, we ask the question, do we desire for the people we interact with 
during the day to know about the love and the grace and the mercy and the kindness of Jesus in our own lives? Do we want the people we interact with, with our, in our jobs, our vocations, when we're going to Walmart and McDonald's, just being out in the community, do we want them to know the radical peace and the radical gentleness and a life that is full of the Spirit? How do we share that with people? Evangelizing people is not scaring them to the idea of hell. It is revealing the beauty of Jesus and the good news of salvation. And we do that through our lives and through our actions. And so the vision of the church going forward cannot be one of division and strife and us versus them. It must be bathed in the love of Christ. They will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And we say to our members that this is what we ask you to do. A way that we say it here is we want you to go out and love people in a way that they know how God wants to love them. We want you to go out and love people in a way that they can know how God wants to love them because everyone is a potential child, a potential image bearer of God, and that they can turn their face to God and turn their face to Jesus. And so many people don't know Jesus. And a lot of people don't want to know the Jesus that we've been selling them for a really long time. So the vision of the church going forward is is we have to reveal to people how much God loves them and wants to be in a relationship with them. And they need to see that through us. That's the manifold wisdom of God. And as the church, we're supposed to reveal that. What is the essence of God? God is love. How do we share that? By loving people in a way that they can know how God wants to love them. We ask our church to give generously. To give what you've decided to give with a gracious, loving, and active heart. To give joyfully. To give your time and your talent, your money. To give what God has given you joyfully, actively, extravagantly, abundantly. As we worship a God who is extravagant and abundant. Go back to Isaiah 6. Look at this throne room. Okay, it's extravagant. It's abundant. And then what does God do? What's one of his very first acts in this throne room? To lavish extravagant and abundant grace and forgiveness on Isaiah when he comes in there. This is what God wants us to do. So when we come together and worship, we are participating with an extravagant, abundant God who gives us everything that we need. Why should we not give of everything that we have extravagantly and abundantly Again, revealing the manifold wisdom of God. And then we ask our people to build each other up and to be unified. To build one another up and to be unified. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays a three-tiered prayer. And the last tier of that prayer is where he prays for unity with all of his followers. And so the way that we like to say that here is we want to be answers to Jesus's prayer and the way that we're unified in our love for one another. You can see there's a lot more to this. There's a lot more that I'd love to share, and there's a lot more depth to each and every one of these points. We have scripture to pack every single bit of it up. We have hours and hours of material to kind of flesh each and every one of these things out. But what I would ask you to do when we say the vision of the church is to just see the hugeness of it. Memorize Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. 
Memorize what it means to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. Think about that as you worship, as you read, as you interact with people. In every aspect of your life, are you revealing the manifold wisdom of God? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58, it's one of my favorite affirming and purposing verses. It says that nothing you do in the name of Jesus will be done in vain. Everything you do in the name of Jesus matters. This is the vision of the church going forward and it needs to be huge because it is huge and it needs to be life-changing because it is life-changing and it needs to transform us to look like Jesus because it is driven by Jesus. I'd like to say a prayer and then we'll be done. God, we love you. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, uh, the gift of your son, Father. We thank you so much for what he has done for us and that, that, that we are being able to be reconciled to you, Father, that we are able to be purposed, Father. I pray that when we enter into our times of worship and our gathering, we don't rush past the sacred, Father, that we don't rush past the beauty of what's happening for our own comfort and our own preference, Father. I pray that we empty ourselves and we allow ourselves to just be filled with the Spirit as we worship, Father, as we, as we come before your throne and we declare that our allegiance belongs to you. But but Father, then we are changed by that worship as we go out into the world and we reveal a love that is extravagant and abundant and a generosity that is extravagant and abundant, Father. And I pray that as, as leaders in the church, we do prayerfully prepare things that help encourage this vision, Father. But I pray that our events and our programs and our time never become an idol that replaces what the true body of Christ is. And that's a group of people going out into a world revealing your wisdom. God, we love you so much and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys.